Good morning. You can't see me, but I can see you. Ah, we have light. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. All right. We're in a series. For those that don't know me, I'm Joseph Aiken, one of the pastors here on staff. Welcome. Uh, if this is your first time here, we definitely see you as a gift, not just a guest. And so we love that you're here. For everyone else, you're a gift, too. I'm glad you're here. Good to see your faces in this place. We're in this series called Who's Your Trainer? As you can see. And it is a parenting uh, sermon series. Yes, we did the singles, did the married folks, talked a little bit about sex and uh, some other things. Uh, one of the things I want to make sure we do is laugh, so make sure you're smiling at me. Uh, if you have one of those faces that you don't smile a lot, I won't, I'll try not to look at you, but when I do it, just... Uh, we are here. If you have, if you have questions... I've got to do my, my thing. If you do have questions, uh, feel free to text this number on the screen. Pastor Plex podcast will answer these questions. Uh, hopefully this week we can get to them. So send in all your questions. Could be on topic, could even be off topic. Chris loves talking, and so uh, he would love to answer those questions. And so how many of you were here last week for the series when we just started? Yes? Show of hands? All right, good. So you, what, what was, I want you to think about this while I'm talking through this, but what was one of the stories or the images that was painted from Chris that you just said, I have to take this with me? Uh, and I have to use this because that's how, for me, that's the conviction for me is that I don't do enough. I get to hear Chris preach the sermon at least four times, all right, because we got preaching practice. I help him prepare it, all these different things. So by the time I get to like this service, I'm like, all right, I start tuning him out. And God convicted me and said, you have to be intentional about uh, making sure you take notes yourself. And so for me, the story was when he said he jacked Jet out the street and then he kind of got down when Jet was crying and said, I love you when you do good, and I love you when you do bad. Like, his love doesn't waver or change. And I told God, I said, God, I want to be able to use this with my son this week. Like, last Sunday, I said that. God said, I got you. All right? And so this week, my wife text, sent me a text message that said, I'm exhausted. Right? For those that don't know, my wife is looking a little thicker because she is pregnant. Uh, I haven't officially announced it, but you can clearly see that there is a baby growing inside of her. Uh, uh, <laughs> you clap for that. It, it is a, a little boy. You'll see Mr. Alexander come into this world prayerfully uh, in the next few months. Um, but we are grateful for it. But with pregnancy comes fatigue, uh, frustrations, shorter uh, fuses, um, and other things that... I, if you've married, been married to a, a woman that has been pregnant, you know about. Um, so she, she texts me. I'm exhausted. I said, okay. She said, come get your son. <laughs> right? When they say, when she puts your son, I was like, oh, she's done. She's about to like. And so this is the middle of the work day. And so I said, all right, I'll come home for lunch, see what's going on. I'm thinking, you know, God, is this the time I get to tell J4? I love you when you do good, and I love you when you do bad. I can't wait to tell them. Like, I'm happy. I, like, I'm praying, like, God, give me this idea of having mercy and stuff. Because what can happen, parents, and even just if you're not parents, is that we become legalistic in our parenting where we set these high expectations for our kids to be perfect. And so when they make mistakes, mistakes we kind of beat them down. And, and what God, and God was telling me on my way home, he said, do I do that to you? Do I expect perfection from you? And then when you aren't perfect, uh, how do I do? So, so that was just, I just threw that in there. But so I go home and usually when I walk in the house, J4 uh, runs to the door and daddy, you know, gives me a hug, all that good stuff. None of that because he knows he's in trouble. 
So I didn't, I couldn't even hear him. Then I walk in the kitchen. J4 is in there. Usually he's talking, but he won't give me eye contact at all. He's not looking at me or anything. And I said, J4, what happened? He said, I, and he whispered. This, you know, when they get in trouble, they start to whisper. They act like they can't talk. They loud as who knows what. But as soon as they get in trouble, he says, I got on the, the iPad. And so what he did was he snuck on an iPad during school time and was playing a game called Roblox. I don't know if you've heard of Roblox, but he snuck on a game called Roblox and was playing for about an hour and a half. Should have been doing school, reading, whatever he's supposed to be doing. We have limitations on time of everything that he does. And so he has to have a code to even get on the game. So this means he had a code. I said, J4, how did you get on the game? He said, I used my fingerprint. Your fingerprint? And I thought about it. He did set up his fingerprint on this tablet. He just snuck and set up a fingerprint. But you can't set up, a, you need a physical code to put in to add time. So I said, you're lying. Call him out, you're lying. And Sierra, she's already mad at him because she's like, I just can't anymore. Like he's been doing stuff, I don't know. It's just a building of things. So she's in the living room just sitting down listening. And I can see the steam coming out of her ears. She's like, there's more to the story? Oh, no. And, and, and so I said, so what did you really do? Y'all, he said, eventually we get this out of him. That he said, Shamia, and Shamia, she watches our kids sometimes. She goes to the church. Uh, she, she gave me the code. I said, Shamia gave you the code? And Sierra, by now, like, I can, like, see, like, you see the cartoons. She's red and everything. Like, Shamia gave you the code? You know, when you start talking, your teeth don't open up. That's when you're really mad. And so as soon as she, she picked up her phone, she said, oh, my, ooh, ooh, ooh. She said, because I specifically text her in all caps, don't give him the code. And eventually, fast forward, we find out that J4 lied about that. He actually snuck over her shoulder to look at the code. And then this was a great opportunity to say, J4, you know you was wrong, but I love you when you do good. I love you when you do bad. But the reality of it was, the whole time that I was listening to him tell this story, I was kind of cool and thinking to myself, man, if I was seven years old, I would have done that too. <laughs> the whole time. So I, wasn't, I, I, was, I couldn't even really get mad because I saw myself in J4 the entire time he was telling the story. So while she was over there fuming, I was just like, I would have done it too. <laughs> so, so it was easy for me to say because I, I didn't even see it as the super bad thing. It was bad. But, but the reality of it is, is this. We're, we're, we're in a series called Who's Your Trainer? And part of that who's your trainer is God wants us to reproduce the best parts that he has in us, right? What he's called us to and what he's doing in, in, in our lives. And what I saw of that is that we have a tendency to reproduce God's best in us with some of our hearts, with a part of us. And I, and I, and I, I saw myself in J4 because I was like, I do that with my relationship with God. Where God says, hey, I need you to spend more time with me. I need you to do this. And I give God part of me, not all of me. And so I could relate to J4 in not wanting to do the work because I just didn't want to do it. We also tend to reproduce God's best in us part of the time. We don't give him all of us. We get to turn our relationship with God on and off whenever we choose. Sundays work best to turn it on, to look my best and to talk my best and to look like I have it all together. Sundays look good with giving God some of my heart. But when Monday comes 
And when Tuesday comes and that person cuts me off for my job, I get upset at someone for what I feel disrespecting me or going over my head or when my husband or my wife talks to me a certain kind of way that I don't approve of or with my friends or whomever it may be. You know, it's, it's easy because of the time that I've not spent with God to, to react a certain way. And lastly, uh, we don't re- reproduce God's best in us because uh, we do it with some of the people. We just don't, because we don't have the time, there's certain people that it's like, ah, they don't deserve it. I'm not going to waste my time on them. That'll be too hard of a project. I don't disciple because if I invest in them and they don't really change, then it was a waste of time. And that's not what God's called us to do. And so that's where we're going on this morning in Who's Your Trainer? Uh, for those of you who are not parents, um, this is still for you. If you're not parents yet, if you choose not to be parents later on, or if you've never been a parent and you probably won't ever have kids, the word of God will, uh, I promise you, there will be something in this for you. Amen? Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you. We love you for who you are. You are worthy to be praised. On this morning, as we dive into this text, I pray, God, that you would uh, teach us, grow us, mature us. God, anything not like you, God, I pray that you would show up and, and show out and reveal to us what we need to see, what we need to do, how we need to do it, God, in our relationships, in our parenting, on our jobs, at home, in school, whatever it may be. Every aspect of our life, holistically, God, we pray that you begin to move. All these things we ask in Jesus' mighty, most gracious son's name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm sure I'm going to mess up this word, and, but this is uh, the very heart of the Jewish confession, the scripture here. Jesus quotes this scripture uh, in Matthew 22 when he says, love the Lord your God. When they ask about how do we do this, the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. This is what he's quoting. So this is something that is big in their, their culture. And we'll, we'll learn why. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. Everybody say, our God. So this, one of the reasons this is important to them is because it dealt with a devotion to God. What does devotion look like when you think about that word? What are you devoted to? Again, we're talking about our relationship with God. What are you devoted to or what are you not devoted to in your relationship to God? How often are you studying? How often are you reading your word? This was real for them when they said the Lord, our God. They're dealing with uh, people worshiping different gods and many gods. And, hey, I'm going to worship this rain God over here. And I'm going I'm to talk to this God about uh, getting my kids. And he's saying the Lord, our God, the one we should be devoted to, the one who is above every other God. There is no, no God that stands beside or even comes close to who God is. The Lord, our God, the one who should be, it says right here, the Lord is one. He is unique. There is none like him. The power and everything that is God, none. God is the source. Everyone say the source. source. See, what was happening during this time is that there was a lot of people connected to different resources. And they say, well, I'm I'm going to love God in this area, but I'm not going to love God in this area. With my wife, my, my wife, she's a resource 
but God is the source. What I, how I love my wife is through the source who is God, even though she's a resource. Even my kids and the job, they're resources. And God is saying, I'm the source. And this is what they're saying. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. He is the source of your strength, your love, and everything that you do. And so when you understand that, then this makes sense. Verse 5, it says, you shall love the Lord your God. Everyone say your. your. The reason that is important is because the rest of these five verses, we're only doing five verses. The word your or you comes up 22 times. Which means that there's something that you have to do. There is work for you. You have to get things done. You have to be intentional about your commitment. If you aren't, then when we talk, get to the parenting part, then they won't. If it ain't real for you, it won't be real for them. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. So this word love uh, says that God is the object of our devotion. But this wasn't just a feeling. I know we... Uh, consistently or fluidly or love just kind of flows off the lips. I love you. I love you. I love you. But there has to be some action behind this word. It wasn't just a feeling. It was a doing. Example, pregnant wife lays down in bed, forgets her phone in the kitchen. She says, oh, and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, she's about to ask me something. I said, what's up? She says, I forgot my phone in the kitchen. Would you get it for me? In my mind, I'm thinking, you just came out the kitchen. <laughs> what if I was to say, no, but I love you? When J4, every time he asks me and says, Dad, can we play? No, but I love you. If you ask me to help or do something, no, but I love you. There has to be some action behind this word love. What does that action look like? Loving God with all of your heart. The heart um, was the root of intellect for them. So when this was written, you think with your heart. You don't think with your mind. You process with your heart, but not like a feeling of gushy. This was intellectual, rational. You think with your heart. And so what he, the, the, the idea you, you may, if you've been here for a while, you've heard we talk about the, the head, the hands, the, the feet of Jesus and different things like head, head heart, hands. We're talking about, okay, we think with our heads. So what am I thinking about God? How am I actively pursuing God in my thoughts? How am I actively pursuing God? It says, with all your soul, with my feelings. Your soul is talking about your feelings, your character. How are you actively pursuing God? Because that's what love is. It's an active pursuit. It's a commitment. Because think about how many of the things, what are you committed to that is not God? Because if we're devoted to God, the source but then we're trying to juggle the source with a bunch of other resources. What do you mean? It's like, okay, I try to juggle God with my kids, and I try to juggle God with my work, and I try to juggle God with my marriage and my relationship, and God gets juggling as if we can drop God and pick up all the other things, because that's actually what happens in our lives at times. Our devotion to God, God is a juggling versus saying God is the standard. God is the only thing in my life that, that does not change. He is not a variable. He is the constant. Now, I can drop these other balls on work. I'll, I'll mess up on my job. I'll mess up in my relationship with my wife at times where I'll say something that I shouldn't have said. Now I go to the source 
the constant and say, God, how do I fix this? How do I do this? How do I work this out? This is what this is. So when it says you should love your God with all your heart, your head, with all your soul, your feelings, and with all your might, there's an external factor. There's a physical factor to what you're doing. And so two thirds of what you're doing is more so internal. And that other third is external. And so what it's saying is that your private life with God, your relationship, there has to be something there. You have to be reading more than you're doing. It had the ministry that God has called you to, to, if you're not praying about it, and you're not seeking God about it more times than, than you're actually doing, then you're losing sight of who is it for because you can make it about you. Again, we're, this is parenting, but understand the prerequisite to the teaching my kids part, which we'll get to, is me learning from God, understanding who my trainer is. If I don't know who my trainer is, they definitely not going to know who their trainer is. They definitely not going to know which way to go if I don't know which way I'm going. Verse six says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. This is something we don't get to turn off. This is something that we actively do and pursue. So the first point is this. It says we must love God wholeheartedly. This word wholeheartedly deals with every aspect of us, right? The devotion that we give God is not something that I just do on Sunday when I lift my hands and when I clap my hands for a song, when a tear or two falls out of my eye. No, 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 no. The worship should be done in private more than on a Sunday because your, your private worship will reflect in your public worship. I was, uh, somebody gifted me with the treadmill, my brother gifted me with the treadmill, but it, he had ran so much on it. The deck, there's like a wooden board, which I didn't know this was split in half. It's like broke. He gave it to me, and so, but it came with the deck. He just didn't want to do it. And I watched the YouTube video. And, and, and let me say this. I, I watch a lot of YouTube videos to learn how to do stuff. Am I the only one that does that? Okay, we all do that. So how much, how, how often are we? But then it's quick to say, well, God, I don't know how to do this. In my relationship, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to study. I don't know how to do all these things. We'll research everything else but our relationship with God. We pursue everything. I just want to throw that in there. Maybe it's just me that I do that. But, but I was, he gave me a treadmill, so I watched a YouTube video on how to change the deck on this board. I'm like, this isn't the, the video for this company that they send. is from a treadmill from 15 years ago, and it ain't the same. And so I had to figure this thing out on my own. And, I'm, and my wife will tell you, I was in there for about an hour or so before I break everything down, get the deck off. And I put the new one back on there. And I get to the last part. And I lost one of the nuts. I had been in the garage for at least an hour and a half by now, trying to do all this by myself. And this is a big old heavy treadmill. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, where is this? I had talked to my mom. She said, you got to pray. You know, when, when he'll make things come, when you need to remember, he'll bring it back to your remembrance. I said, like, I'll pray. Oh, God, where is this day? I'm like, I ain't going nowhere. I went in the house. I, didn't, I went in the house looking for this nut. I didn't even go in the house. And so I was looking for 45 minutes for this little, I told my wife, that thing probably cost 30 cents, but it's the principle. How often are we pursuing things that are meaningless and that we can get over? How often are we spending so much time in things that aren't of God. We must love God wholeheartedly. Like literally the nut costs 30 cents. 
Home Depot was five minutes away from my house. But we pursue things of this world with eager and commitment, passion. But God gets part of us. He gets parts of our heart. He says, we must love him wholeheartedly. Y'all all right? Good. All right. Look at verse 7. You shall, this is when we get to the parents, the short-term parents, you shall teach them diligently. Everybody say diligently. So if you actually go to the original text, the Hebrew text of this, this word diligently isn't in there. Just the word teach. And the reason that's important, they gave us diligently to help us understand this word teach. The word diligent means to do it with commitment, like with eagerness and concern, being conscientious about what we're teaching. The word teach here actually means to engrave or ingrain into someone. And so when you're teaching this to your kids, you have to ingrain it to them. That's where this word diligently comes from. Now, the problem with this is that the prerequisite for teaching is you have to know what you're teaching. And so if you have not spent any time in your word, then what you're teaching them is going to be a, part, a partial kind of thing because they're watching what they're, you're doing. And so if what you're saying isn't in alignment with what you're doing, they're going to do what you do and not what you say. And so when my son, he just started running track. Uh, he loves track. Like we probably got maybe 30 meters from the back door to the front door, 35 meters. I don't know. He literally runs back hundreds of times working on his, the mechanics of his, his form. And what his trainers tell him, I sock a hip pocket. He's in there just running back and forth. Daddy, come look at me. He's eager about this thing that he loves. And so we went to track practice on Saturday. He's working on his form. He's good. Coach tells him, hey, make sure you eat good, eat healthy, because you have to put good stuff in your body. If you put bad stuff, then you're going to run slower, all these different things that coaches tell him. He's like, okay. So we get home. Sierra made some oatmeal for him. She says, J4, you need to eat your oatmeal. Remember, you got to get strong and stuff because he's eating real slow. We got to kind of force him to eat at times. And... J4 tells her, well, you got to eat your oatmeal. <laughs> now, what can happen is, and I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, I would say that too. He's just modeling what daddy's doing because they model the behaviors that you have, regardless if you intended for, to teach them that or not. They see what you're doing. So if there is no private relationship with God, then there won't be a public relationship with God, and therefore they won't see your relationship with God, and they won't do it. And so J4 tells her this, you eat your oatmeal. She said, boy, I ate my oatmeal. She shows him his, her bowl. He said, well, what about some Doritos you just ate? And I'm thinking of my mind. Something I would say too. He's modeling daddy. Daddy. He's doing what daddy does. You see, a lot of things they say, you say things are, are lessons are caught, not taught. Right? And I believe that lessons are both caught and taught. If what I'm teaching aligns with what they see, then it's good. I can't just teach do as I do or do as I say, not as I do, because they're watching what I do. So my do as I do has to be in alignment with what they see. But again, my private life, my relationship with God is a prerequisite for me teaching. If I don't know it, I can't teach it. And if I don't teach it, they won't do it. They're going to catch whatever they see me throwing at them. So if it's the sarcasm and the attitude, 
towards my wife, he's going to be sarcastic and, at, and have an attitude towards his mother. Okay, maybe that's just me. And I, look, I didn't even get to the verse yet, but it says, you shall teach them diligently. Uh, you should teach them diligently to your children. What are we talking about? Loving God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. Uh, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, so you are intentional about the time you take. And so there's a private relationship with God that you show them publicly how you're doing it. My son won't have a private relationship with God ever if I don't talk with him publicly about what I'm doing in my private, in my private life. Amen? And it says, and when you walk by the way, and so not only is, am I talking about it in my house, he sees me doing it outside of the house. He sees me loving people. He sees me discipling. He sees me teaching and leading. He sees these things, and then he'll do those things. And then it says, and when you lie down and when you get up, your private relationship with God needs to be seen by your kids. It needs to be seen outside of the walls of your home. They need to see you praying. They need to see you reading your Bible. They need to see you studying. He needs to see my wife and I pray together, study together, because those are habits that he'll take into his marriage in the future. The brokenness of, if you don't see it growing up, then you won't do it. And then you'll wonder, well, why don't I have it together? Well, you don't have a relationship with God. The relationship with God is important. Next point, we must teach God wholeheartedly. To teach God wholeheartedly means it's not just what I say, it's what I do. It's not just what I do in public, but even greater, it's what I do in private. Because people will see your change. I told you all about a couple of, uh, I guess it's been a few months now, that how I beat James and Grayson in our weight loss challenge. I'm going to throw that in there anytime I can. Not, not that I'm like cocky or anything or I bring it up a lot, but I lost the weight first. So they had to buy me a steak and all those things. And uh, one of the things that happened when I was losing the weight, the people kept saying, man, you've been losing some weight. I can see it. I said, really? Thank you. <laughs> but what happens is when you put in the work, people can see the change. When you put in the work, people can see the change. When you're reading your Bible and you're praying, there's an external change that happens. There's no way that you can study your word, that you can pray daily, that change doesn't happen. You can't tell me the creator, you have a relationship with the creator of the universe and that you're seeking after him and you're growing and that there is no external change that people won't see something different about you. That you're pa- if you lack patience with your kids, maybe you should be more patient and diligent in your study in the Word. If every time they go off and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with them, maybe there needs to be an internal image mirror thing where you're looking at and say, well, what's wrong with me? What example am I putting out that they're uh, modeling after? Because... We are creatures of communication. We're constantly communicating regardless if we're saying anything, if if words are physically coming out or verbally coming out or if they're not. So if we're constantly in communication, sending and receiving messages, they're always watching you. They're always watching you. They see the dirt. They see your mess. And they will emulate what they see. And so if you're giving them this 
image of God to emulate, because we are called to be image bearers of God, then they will emulate that. Verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Have y'all ever, y'all know what this is? So look at this picture. I, I know I don't usually show pictures, but I thought this was, was one of the coolest things. Um, what they would do, you can see this leather strap around his arm. You can even see this square thing on his bicep. They would put scripture in that. They would wrap this around their arm and they would pray. And they would also put it around their heads, the frontlets that it's talking about. They would put it on their heads and there's a scripture in this box for them to meditate on, for them to, to read and be reminded of their relationship with God. So there was, there was a physical external factor to their relationship with God. The equivalent of that today for me would be me wearing my God is dope shirt. I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, Austin Plegenpoe asked me, he said, what does God is dope mean? It's just like saying your mom's hair is cool. God is cool. That's what we say. But, but this is a reminder of God is good. Right. God is good. An external factor. And and it, it, it'd be something if I just wore these because I wanted to make sure I was matching and everything coordinated because God calls the people out for this in Matthew 22 as well, where he says they 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 wear the, the uh, they they wear these things to be seen. It's for their glory and not God's glory. They're called out on this for doing this because this is something that they they did. He said, "Now nah, the only reason you're doing it is to be seen. Because again, this, if, if this was my public life where all I did was wear the t-shirt and there was no private life to my relationship with God, then it would be seen. If the only time I'm showing up and, and, and I look like the image of God is on a Sunday, because it's easy to look like God's image here. Because everybody's doing it. But what am I doing on the other days? And so this is what it is. It says you shall bind it. It There should be some intentionality because when you physically have something to remind you that that who God is, it it allows you to subjugate, subjugate the flesh, to keep it under control. Those desires, those passions that are pulling you towards something else, that are pulling you towards the world, towards the culture. God says, no, I want you. So bind this to your heart. Make it real to you every day with the word, with your prayer life, with your study life. What else did they do? They said, he said, you shall write them on the doorposts of your home, of your house, and on your gates. There should be some type of external factor. Now, I'm not telling you to go to your house or your apartment or wherever you stay on your car. Just write, I love Jesus. That's not what I'm telling you. Not at all. I don't think that's even what, what the writer was saying. He was saying everything and everything God should be in it. So the point for this one is you, you must be bound to God wholeheartedly. It's not a T-shirt that we wear. It's not even the leather or something we put on our forehead. It's a relationship. It's a relationship that is done in private, that is seen in public. It's a relationship that we are intentional about. It's a relationship that we wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly push ourselves to. It's not something where I'm worried about what people will see. It's not something that 
I care if you see me raise my hand or you see me worship or you see me crying because God is my source, not you. God is who gives me strength, not you. And so there should be an external factor to this internal relationship. There should be. So I'm not telling you to go buy you some God is dope shirts or wear some of the church shirts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you love God in private. More. Pray more. Study more. And watch how it affects your parenting. Watch how it affects your patience. Watch how it affects how you love. Watch how it, it affects how you drive. Things just change and how you think. Watch how it changes those things. So, I, so my question for you today is this. Will you love God wholeheartedly? Will you love God wholeheartedly? And I, I truly believe that, and I, and I said it, that you, have to love, you can't love God with some of your heart, but you have to love God with all your heart. You can't love God some of the time, but you have to love God all the time. You can't love God with some of the people. You got to love God with all the people that he's called you to. Like part of what he's called us to do is disciple. Part of what he's called us to do is is pray. Part of what he's called us to do is worship. And those are attributes of who, or characteristics of, just a consequence of loving God is those things. We disciple, we pray, we study. It's not about a convenience thing. If anything, it is inconvenient. But the cross wasn't convenient. There was nothing convenient about the cross. Nothing. But Christ still endured. Christ still went. He still pursued. He says, what I ask you is full devotion. Not a part-time praise, expecting full-time results. So will you, will you truly love God wholeheartedly? Will you give him every aspect of you? And, and as we go into communion and we transition, thinking about that night, that he was portrayed that night where he carried this cross for our sins, for our worries, knowing that we will love him part-time. He said, I'll die for that. I'll allow my body to be broken. This is what this bread represents because I know you'll choose to love me sometime with some people, with some of your heart. That's why he did that. He said, I know you can't. God says, I want more of you. Pursue me more. Give me all of your heart and watch how I change things in your life. J4 is always asking like about, he, he asks all these theological questions. And I was telling him this past week, because they teach you in school that everyone's a theologian, J4. I said, you're a theologian. Everyone's a theologian. As soon as you're talking about God, you're a theologian. Now, we want to make sure that we're good theologians, that we're learned theologians. Because I was pursuing understanding how to, that this, like I could, if your treadmill breaks, I can help you fix it now. I've watched enough YouTube videos. I've replaced it. I, I know, make sure you separate screws and bolts and nuts and all those different things. I thought I did. But I'm good at that because I spent time with it, a lot of time. I chased after it, because I wanted to make sure it didn't break. Same thing. 
I can't love God with part of my heart. If I want to give God, I have to love God with everything. He says, pursue me. Chase after me. I'll make everything else fall in place. Don't juggle me. Don't juggle me with everything else in your life. It's just I'm part of a list that you get to check off. I'm the constant. All those are variables. They will change. Sometimes your kids will get on your first nerve and your last nerve. And all the ones in between. Sometimes people do that too. He said, but when you pursue me, watch how I change your outlook on life and how you chase after all those different things. And so for 30 seconds, we're going to pray. And I want you to really think about those things you've devoted to, devoted yourself to wholeheartedly that aren't of God, that are separating you from your relationship with God. Go ahead and take 30 seconds and do that before we take communion.